Welcome to Orange You Glad We Watch the OC, where we are endlessly trapped in a silent scream forever. <laughs> I'm Sarah, and this is Evan, and today we are discussing the absolute train wreck of an episode of season one of the OC, episode six, The Girlfriend. Evan, do you wish you were a mermaid? get my fidget rubber band for this. <laughs> this is too much for me. I have to stand up. <laughs> now that I have my emotional support rubber band, <laughs> do I wish I was a mermaid? Jesus fucking Christ. So, okay. I want to note that this episode is brought to you by Doritos Outdated concept of teen horniness and the male gaze. Trademark. Nantucket Neckers, too. Also, trademark. <laughs> yeah, holy fuck, there's a lot of male gaze. <laughs> I don't even know where the fuck to begin. We begin at the beginning, my guy. Because, like, okay, I want to go back in time a little bit. Okay. Scoot you closer a little bit. I want to go back to... Episode one, when I said something along the lines of this fucking show starts at an 11, uh-huh. right? And then my question was, where is it? Where could it possibly go? Because it starts at an 11, you know? So then it burns down a house. Yep. Because it's like, well, we've Episode already two, burned down a house. stolen a car. Yep. And then, yeah, right, game night, and then Cotillion, and then fucking Luke gets shot. <laughs> so much happens in All every episode time. of this show. Everything is of happening too much. How does Newport exist? Like, how? Okay. Steve. At this point, <laughs> you should just fucking watch the show. He's stud- he's looking around as if to find his words. Really, like, if anyone is listening to this, just watch the show. <laughs> you have to watch the show. We are going to do our best to break it down and talk about the themes and our reactions, and the characters, and the development. But this show is batshit. Like, when I picked you up from work today. Everything, everywhere, all at once should be suing this television show for stealing its bit. (laughs) Not really, there's not actually hot dog fingers in it, but you were saying you were picking me up from work. Yeah. And you watched the episode before I did, and then we rewatched it together. Correct. So, <laughs> you were like, you alluded to the fact that a lot happens in this episode. Yep. 
what did I say? I said something like, a lot happens in every episode. And then you said, like, where can it go from where here? Where can it fucking go from here? You gotta stop asking that question. I just... You're bringing this on yourself. I couldn't have known. <laughs> what? And they ramp it up by an order of magnitude every episode. Yep. I'm fully expecting season one to end with Ryan being abducted by space aliens and inducted into some kind of sex monarchy. That's not until season three. <laughs> okay. Let me center myself. Mm-hmm. So when we say that the episode is brought to you by all of these snack food brands, it's because the episode opens on everybody taking a shit ton of groceries out of the back of the family car. Because why? Kirsten's dad is going to visit and it's his birthday. And despite the fact that his birthday party is in fact catered and we do not ever see him touching a piece of food, he's just, he's got a bottle of wine with him at what I can assume is 10 a.m. <laughs> he needs all of the food. We're introduced to this new character. We're also introduced to the conflict. Uh-huh. Um... We've gone so far the the whole series not even knowing that Kirsten had a dad, but I, I guess it goes without saying that Kirsten had a dad. No, because it was in the previously on. She's made a point of saying, "I work for my dad." In I mean, that's a very passing throwaway line, though. You know, I feel like if there's a thing that you should learn about this show. It's that when they introduce something or say have a throwaway line or person, that person is going to fucking show up and probably set your house on fire. <laughs> so you're right. Sorry, keep going. Sorry. So this is essentially daddy issues the episode. Yeah. Okay. When I was editing the episode on Casino Night, Yep. We talked a lot about mommy issues. Yep. And we felt that this show was somewhat revolutionary because so much of modern media, uh, and not just modern media, so much of, you know, whatever contemporary, however far you want to go back, so much of it deals with daddy issues. That was a lie. That it was revolutionary. Oh, I mean, I felt it was <laughs> it was different, <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. in some regard, because it was, it was like, hey, guess what? You're going to have mommy issues, too. Yeah. This, well, this episode's like... I'm saying it just immediately disappointed you. This, this this fucking episode is like a giant sledgehammer that says daddy issues. <laughs> and it looms behind... It was, it was sneaking up behind us as we were having a conversation like two little naive bunnies in a garden going, Oh, this show's about mommy issues. And this huge silhouette with glowing red eyes looms behind us with this giant maul that says daddy issues. And that is this episode. And this discount ass Michael Keaton looking man shows up and is Kirsten's dad. And right off the bat, there's a conflict between him and Sandy. Why? Oh, because Sandy is Jewish. <laughs> So we are, the the subtext 
is that Kirsten's dad is a raging anti-Semite. Kirsten's dad was at the January 6th riots. (laughs) Or he sent someone there on his behalf. So, this episode moves so fucking fast. I want everyone listening to know, we literally just watched this episode. (laughs) We are coming fresh from seeing this fucking thing. And I'm so shocked and stunned. <laughs> you needed your security yes! band. Like, I don't know even, like, Steve, I don't actually know how to work through this episode. This is going to be like a therapy session. <laughs> okay? You're going to have to be really gentle with me because I'm fragile right now. Steve or? No, you. Okay. You. Steve's not here. Fuck him. <laughs> you. You. Steve, come on the pod. You have to. You have to help me through this. Okay. <laughs> okay. We have to recap this together because yep. I feel like I'm already suppressing memories. Uh-huh. <laughs> that I, from this episode. Okay. Uh-huh. So we're introduced to the concept of Kirsten's dad. Uh, it's made pretty apparent that there has been conflict between Sandy and what's uh, what's his fucking name? Caleb. Caleb. Caleb is Kirsten's dad's name. Caleb Nickel. Caleb. Um, uh, Seth said, uh, oh, that's right. Seth is sort of um, uh, because there's going to be a party. He's in town for his birthday party. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. There's a party in every episode. Yeah, there is. There's at least one party in every episode. If it's a if it's a teen party or an adult party or fucking both. Uh-huh. Every episode. We're six episodes in and there's a party in every episode. I want to say two out of the six, at least three out of the six, fully half of them have been adult teen parties. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move to Newport and be fabulously wealthy and just party all the time and get into petty dramas and fucking boathouses. So, okay. The framing device is Caleb's birthday party. Uh, there's a little Why bit of- anyone wants to celebrate this man <laughs> is unclear. He appears to be very well liked by the people in his circles. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the party scene. But the, the framing device is the, is the party. We have a little bit of exposition with Seth and Ryan discussing the upcoming party. Ryan asks, what, like, uh, your grandfather basically owns Newport. He's the Mr. Potter of Newport. Uh-huh. Um, Bedford Falls, right? Yes. Zuzu, Zuzu, Zuzu's Petals. Yes. I'm, like, reverting to a childlike <laughs> state right now. I'm, like grasping for memories from my youth to ground me. I'm like, I used to like It's a Wonderful Life. That made me feel good. Zuzu's pedals. So I'm like reaching in my pocket like George Bailey. Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu's pedals. Honestly, I'm losing a little bit of my grip on reality because of this fucking episode. So, okay. This I also love. So Sandy's in the kitchen with Kirsten trying to bolster her confidence to speak with her father about anything whatsoever because she's uh, been in his shadow, is fair to say. Correct. Because she works for him. Yep. He owns the town. Mm -hmm. Kirsten's whole life she owes essentially to her dad. Yes. The reason she's rich, the reason she's well-known, the reason she has the position that she has. Um, I mean, fuck, we've talked about this plenty. 
the reason that her family is in the situation is not because of fucking Sandy's job. <laughs> not because of his little hobby that he has. Which makes the interactions that Sandy and Kirsten have throughout this episode, it truly, I love Sandy. I love his eyebrows. I love <laughs> the the very blue eyes and the very blue shirt that they put him in. But like, I lost a little bit of respect for him in this episode. Like, dude is trying his best and we will get to this part. But he's making some really unrealistic assumptions. Do we feel like, oh, do we want to do the thing where we start looking at who wrote the episodes? Oh, right. Because my my so Steve, when Steve was rewatching X-Files, he paid attention to every writer because let's just face facts. There's a certain phenomenon when a show is written by multiple people. Yeah. And these characters voices can kind of change from episode to episode. Right. Right. And it seems like some of their motivations can change a little bit from episode to episode. In the research that I have done about this series on this rewatch is that there was a writer's room, but they all tried very, very hard to stay in the voice of each character and were aware kind of as an entity of the motivations of characters throughout the thing. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, I think, because if you want to stay in the kitchen, we stay there because that's where we were. Yeah. Right. And actually it segues pretty well to your point about Sandy's actions and what, and yeah. And the way that he, Okay, we'll, we'll <laughs> really. I'm like, Zozo's <laughs> paddles, Zozo's paddles. Okay, so they're in the kitchen. Sandy is trying to bolster Kirsten's confidence. It's if we're going to generously read that the writers are doing their best to maintain a consistent voice for each character, mm-hmm. then we can read into it this. Sandy's relationship with Caleb is the primary stressor of his marriage. It is fraught. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super fraught. Very fraught. F-R-O-U-umlaut D-T. Period. Fraught. It's fraught. And of course, who should come upon them? Like a goddamn vampire. Yeah, right? Like fucking, you know the scene of every fucking horror movie where the character is in the bathroom and they open up the cabinet, the medicine cabinet, and they take something out and then they close it and the murderer is in the reflection of the mirror behind them? Caleb does that to them except with the refrigerator. uh, Sandy is basically like, your dad's a piece of shit. He's controlling and manipulative. He's a raging anti-Semite. Is his new fucking girlfriend 12 or 13? Is she of legal age in Arkansas? God, I hate your dad. And then we hear a voice from on the other side of the fucking fridge door. That's like... (laughs) It was born. (laughs) In the darkness. Bane? No, it's not. Bane. But he does say I was born in the OC. <laughs> you merely adopted it. <laughs> and then this motherfucker has the audacity to say to Sandy, Shalom. Does he say does he say shalom? He says shalom. He says fucking shalom, you are you shitting me? I am not shitting. I did not clock that shit. 
It's fine. You were traumatized from the beginning. From the jump. From the jump. I was traumatized since the previously on the OC. (laughs) What I do really love is Sandy makes literally no attempt to be cordial with Caleb. He is combative like from the lit from the first thing he says it's like caleb's like shalom and, and sandy's like fuck you you old shriveled fuck <laughs> you old fucking you old fucking walmart um uh fucking uh sale bin blu-ray version of uh birdman fuck you <laughs> We got there. It was good when you got there. There we go. What I love is then Sandy's like, "Uh, where's your new girlfriend? And this episode is titled The Girlfriend. So it all sort of comes back to The Girlfriend. Oh, and I just got, I just got that there's multiple. They love layers. They love it so much. I just got that. You guys are so deep. They really are. (laughs) That's amazing. Single tear. Caleb says she's swimming. So this is the timeline of events that I want everyone to consider. Kirsten and Sandy are in the kitchen preparing. The boys are in back. Preparing for what is unclear because it's very established that A, they have a pantry full of ready-made foods, such as Doritos TM, B, Kirsten cannot cook to save her life, <laughs> which is also established. Who's the maid's name again? Rosa. Rosa's nowhere the fuck to be found. Rosa, uh, R.I.P. Rosa. They really did get rid of her once they introduced Ryan into the house. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> my theory holds water that he's just doing the, the work now. Uh-huh. So, oh yeah, the, the timeline. So the two adults are preparing in the kitchen. The boys are in the back. Caleb says he let himself in with his key. So I just want to be a hundred. And he got off the Learjet. I want to be a hundred percent crystal clear on this timeline. Because that means Caleb and his girlfriend arrived. She stripped down to a swimsuit before saying hello to any human being that lives in the house who have never met her before. Instead of saying hello. I'm yada yada. She immediately goes to the pool. That is the first thing that she did. We stand. I just don't think it makes any sense. I absolutely no, no. I, this is the one thing that makes sense to me what? out of her behavior. Defend yourself. Okay. She later in the episode admits to Ryan that she is essentially a paid sex worker slash escort slash sex work is work. We are not disparaging that at all. It is her job to entertain Caleb. It is not her job to do anything beyond that up to and including ingratiate herself with this weird ass family. That will come when it has to, when she has to be with him at the party or whatever, because that's what she's there for. Get in the pool while you can get in the pool. You're 100% right. Yeah, I, um, you've convinced me. And as we examine her actions throughout the episode, she spends very little time with Caleb. Uh huh. He kind of treats her like a, you know, child that needs to 
be put in the backyard <laughs> and run around until they get tired. What's her name? Gabrielle. Gabrielle! Okay, thank you. I do have a lot to say about Miss Gabby's motivations and actions. Yeah. That are not kind. <laughs> but in this instance, get in the fucking pool. So this is before the first commercial break, and we are treated to our first bit of slow motion in this episode. Slow motion plus rock and roll. Yeah, oh my god, the song. I can't even remember the song. But the lyrics are something like, Wow! She had a smoking body! Yeah! Someone may have written that specifically for this scene. I do not recognize that song. Like, so, like there's no way that this band doesn't have very long, spiky white hair. It and was like a like single a, bedazzled glove. It was like a warrant cover band. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah! Her dangerous hair! Swimming in the poolside. Wow, woman. Like, honestly, like, this is a fucking song that's playing while she is swimming in the pool. And Seth and Ryan are just gaping at her. Like, ogling is the only word I can think of to describe. And then they're not the only ones. The camera is like, wah, 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 wah. The camera's like doing that, like, TMZ zoom in zoom out zoom in zoom out it's like oh, look at these titties hey you guys she has breasts titties! Ah, is what the song is singing we have spent the last two i would say out of four episodes ogling summer in her bra and yet it's like this is the first pair of tits this camera has ever seen in its entire life and it wants to die and Seth just can't help himself. He's like, uh, I'm super hard for my grandma. That is not what he He's says. He's like, oh my God. That is not what he says. Oh my God, I'm like, boner hard for my grandma. No, that is, oh my God. He's like, oh, Ryan. Oh, Ryan. I'm like... Ryan, it hurts, is what he's basically saying. Like in that open, in that scene, he's like, "Oh, Ryan, my dicky is so hard." If you really want to go down this path, I guess I'm going to let you. But I'm going to say for the record that he is grossed out by the fact that this woman could be his grandmother. <laughs> Oh, we each have our own interpretation. So okay. then we go to commercial break. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god. So I'm gonna... Please. Please. I've not a cold. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this fucking episode. I think that we get some insight into Seth and Kirsten's characters based on their interactions with Caleb. Because another thing that we are not... We didn't address is the first thing that Caleb says to Seth when Seth greets him is, well, you're still not a football player. Yeah, he like, he like touches his body. He's like, like, oh, you're basically a little piece of shit, aren't like you? strokes his pecs or whatever. <laughs> Caleb comes up and he's like, still got that torso problem, huh? <laughs> you're never gonna... <laughs> you should be a swimmer. You could just 
fall face first into the pool and touch the finish line with your fucking head. <laughs> you Olympic fucking, you Olympic length goddamn motherfucker. And like, okay, it's Getting hot. any pussy? Caleb is basically like, Caleb's like, you getting any quim yet, you little f- No, fuck you. <laughs> We hate Caleb, is the thing. We fucking hate Caleb. We hate Caleb very much. (laughs) Have you heard what a queef sounds like? (laughs) You're not a man. (laughs) Have you given a woman a yeast infection, boy? (laughs) You're not a man. (laughs) Like... As hot as it is that Sandy just straight up hates Caleb and talks shit to him whenever, <laughs> in full-throated defense of his woman, yeah. it is distressing to see the source of her general checked out of her lifeness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%, right? If we're going to kind of skip around a little bit, we can just sort of say that, okay, um, male gaze, male gaze, we spend a lot of time staring at, at, at Gabrielle. The primary conflict between... Kirsten, Sandy, and Caleb uh, is revealed eventually that they move to the OC for Caleb, um, ostensibly so that Kirsten could work for him, right? They moved to the OC when Kirsten's mom was sick. Yes. Because Kirsten is a Disney princess. Yes, yes, yes. They go to the OC, and we learn that that's a sticking point with Sandy because they had a lovely little home in Burbank that they really loved. It was a fixer-upper. It was not Burbank. It was Berkeley. Oh, I'm so sorry. Is Burbank in California? Bur- California. <laughs> California. California. Oh. <laughs> yes, Burbank. It's not Burbank. <laughs> that was almost like vaudeville. Burbank. I see you're not emotionally distraught enough to not put vibrato on that. Good job. See, vibrato is actually a thing that happens to me when I'm very distraught. <laughs> vibrato is a defense mechanism you're, for me. You're essentially Liza Minnelli. Yes. Yes. Kay. I uh, I become kind of like Joel Grey when I'm feeling attacked. Mm. <laughs> if I start singing Velcomin, very good. Then you'll know. Mm. <laughs> you'll know that I need to. <laughs> I need to be taken out of whatever stressful situation I'm currently in. You need a binky next. <laughs> next time we're at like an awkward party, and I'm like, Velcom and Belvenir. You'll be like, Oh shit! Wrap it up. Gotta go. <laughs> you put one of those like a emo- like a weighted blanket around my shoulders and just take me away. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Burberry. Where the fuck was their home? Berkeley. 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 Okay. They had a great little home. It had termites. It was a fixer upper. They had to abandon it. They had to sell it to go to the OC where Sandy really Sandy, although he did confess to Ryan that the thing about which he's most ashamed is sometimes he really likes the OC. (gasps) Sandy really. I get it now. I get it. Sandy, Sandy sees a lot of himself in Ryan because they're both fish out of water because Sandy comes from a totally different side of the country. He does not come from the societal echelons that these people do. He loves Kirsten. It was for her sake and the sake of their son that they made the move to this part of the world to put themselves under the thumb of Caleb, that's why Sandy 
is is as close with Ryan and as vulnerable with Ryan as he is because they are two peas in a pod. And I just got that. I just got that. And it's episode six. You could say that he sees himself in Ryan a little bit. Couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, didn't I say that? Is that what I said? That's what I was. I, you get me. I do. You get me. That's why we're married. You could like hear me having an epiphany there <laughs> about about Ryan and Sandy's relationship. So that all happens in the house, and oh, the the um scene where Gabrielle gets into the hot tub in between the boys. Yes, yes. Like this is a difficult scene for me to parse. Because I feel like she has some not incorrect things to say about their respective relationships with the girls they are pining after. But also, why does she care? Well. Because she's like, you can't, what does she say? You can't make a move if this, I don't remember. I've seen this episode twice today and I don't remember what she said. If we're, we, we make a big deal about listening to characters. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle, her whole theme, and I really think the primary motivation behind most of her actions in this episode is boredom. Yeah. <laughs> she said, I'm bored. Uh, when but she that comes later. Oh, that comes. Yeah, that comes later. That comes. Oh later. my god! <laughs> you hate that word. You hate that word in that context. How dare you? I hate a specific spelling of that word. I don't. You, okay, hate well, the, the way word. that you said it, it sounded very spelled. Absolutely, it sounded very spelled. You are putting spellings in my mouth. Let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> so yeah, I honestly think she's interested in the boys because she's twenty four. She's not too far removed from their age group. We learn a little bit about her history later in the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, so we know that we know she's well taken care of. She's she, very comfortable with Caleb. And she's been spending however much time around Caleb that she may just be excited to see someone who is roughly but not fully in her age demographic. Yeah, sure. And that becomes important later. She feels, I think she honestly feels powerful Yeah, around the boys. She feels powerful, I think, like full stop. There is not, there is fewer things with power than blonde ladies around old men and teenage boys. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, for sure. She's got her life sort of figured out. Titties. <laughs> so I honestly think that I think that she shows a really kind of casual but cute interest in the boys. You know, uh-huh. she, like I said, um, she's she's managed to figure out her life to the degree that she's well taken care of. And you know what? I am going to say this. Caleb is a handsome man. I'm going to say that. Like he is sort of discount blu-ray disc michael keaton except he's taller than michael keaton (gasps) and and this is as a balding person i like his hairline better than michael keaton's (laughs) honestly like 
this is something that I'm not going to be ashamed to say. Also, he's very well spoken. He holds himself very well. If it weren't for the raging anti-Semitism, <laughs> honestly, Caleb could get it. Anti-Semitism and progenitor of daddy issues. He's got a real daddy energy about him. Like, for real, he's kind of a silver fox. I mean, you could do way worse. Do you want to call him daddy? A little bit. <laughs> I don't think that's so wrong. <laughs> For me, that specific actor has been the uh, weird villain elder role in multiple shows that I watched in my youth, and I cannot <laughs> see him as anything but just, like, bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, at some point... Did they say the word Viagra in this episode? <laughs> no! But you know what? <laughs> I honestly think he doesn't have any trouble getting it up. <laughs> I've got a whole Is head it just cannon. Despite getting it up, I've got a whole head cannon for Caleb. What's his last name? Strick, Britch, Smith, Nickel, Nickel. I have a whole a whole head cannon that like. His dick isn't really long, but it's nice and girthy. <laughs> he has no problem getting it up. He doesn't need Viagra. Is it spite getting it up? I think it's. The sheer knowledge that he could buy and sell Ryan if he wanted to, that his erections in the morning, they're not so much because of, cla like, they're not so much because of, like, captured blood or a full uh, bladder. This his, is an audio medium, so I need the listeners to know that I am staring at my husband his, with increasing horror. His erections in the morning come into being from la, sheer la 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 from sheer excitement la, 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 la. to tame the market. <laughs> That's honestly what I think. Also, I think he has... Do you want a capitalism daddy? He has well-groomed pubic hair. Do you want a capitalism daddy? That's short and gray like his head hair is. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, he could take really good care of you me. You want a capitalism daddy. You know, he could kind of get it is the thing. <laughs> and the other thing is, like, yeah, I want to be whisked away to Milan. Of fucking course I want to be whisked away to Milan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't whisk you away to Milan. That's fine. It's fine. We can we can go to a pizza place later, and <laughs> we'll get some greasy pizza. We'll go to we'll go to Starship or or uh, Pizza Shuttle. We'll go to Pizza Shuttle later. Did you clock the line that we're gonna jump around a little bit? Did you clock the line that Caleb said about? bringing a stray home when he was bitching to Kirsten. I have that in my notes as dovetailing with your theory that everyone thinks Ryan is a puppy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I clocked that because that's one of the opportunities that Gabrielle and Ryan and Seth take to excuse themselves and get into mischief. But that's a little further in the episode. It We're is. still... We're still technically in the hot tub with the two boys just tenting furiously. <laughs> Let's really not kid ourselves. Gabrielle absolutely knows that she's using her physical appearance 
to get to these, you know, heterosexual male characters. Right. And it's fine because she's bored and she knows that there, she knows full well, they're stopping in Newport very briefly. And Ryan is 27. (laughs) So he's fair game. It is funny that we're, we're meant, we're meant to read Ryan as younger than Gabrielle. And it doesn't come across on the screen. <laughs> it absolutely doesn't come across. Like, okay, this episode made me think about uh, child actors and teen actors and the age of consent and sex scenes in a way where I had never considered before why everyone on like 90210 looked 35. <laughs> because. We get into some shit. We really do. We truly do. So after the hot tub, we're introduced to the concept of the party. Caleb, well, because we're at dinner, right? Yeah. Caleb wanted something sort of small and intimate. Caleb is negging his daughter from the jump. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because we haven't even gotten to the whole crux of the uh, spat between Sandy and and Caleb, Sandy's like, oh, my wife can. No, no, he that's doesn't the, say my that's wife in can. in the kitchen. That's, oh, that's later. He demotes. That's later. Though. Okay. That's, that's later. later? Yeah. Okay. That's. Oh, wait a second. No, that you're right. You're right. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I was right. Caleb, you're right all the time. <laughs> Caleb. Yes. Caleb uses this, uh, his visit as a chance to sort of let Kirsten know he how does he phrase it he phrases it like you need some more time to spend with your new family yeah because i didn't approve of the adoption of this stray child he really like if you can if you could submit to him <laughs> he's very gentle <laughs> He voices his disapproval of certain actions. The merch for this season is going to be just t-shirts of you being dommed by Caleb. <laughs> Are you having some kind of awakening over there? There, I know. I already went the, with the with the language on the shirt is it would be, and then there and then there were two. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> or do I call it the girlfriend? Mm. You know, it, it, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. He, yeah, you oh god, I forgot about that where he was like you didn't you didn't ask my approval to hire or not to hire <laughs> to adopt Ryan. You put an architect that I didn't approve of on the blah, blah, business, blah, buy, sell. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, business, business, business. So, yeah, he he says it's he tries to sell it as not a demotion. He tries to sell it as giving Kirsten some more time. But it's absolutely a demotion. And Kirsten knows that. And it is also couched in a neg at Kirsten's inability to cook because we open on this dinner scene and Gabrielle is like, that was delicious. Thank you so much. And Kirsten is like, I order from the finest places. Tee hee hee. <laughs> oh, it's Sandy that's like, because you can't cook for shit. No, it's Seth. 
Is it Seth? It's Seth. Oh, it is Seth, isn't it? Yeah, fucking Seth. Fucking Seth. I have to say, I have to say, I understand Seth a little bit more in this episode. Because grandfather issues are the same as daddy issues, I think. Mm -hmm. If the grandfather is that powerful Mm -hmm. and a piece of shit in your life. Like, I'm not going to so go so far as to say that I appreciate Seth, but he might not be my villain this episode. No spoilers! We'll see. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, with no spoilers, I do agree. I think Seth's character is starting, to, and I there's a lot of character subtleties in this episode we'd already we already mentioned sandy's uh-huh. where most of the time sandy absolutely comes out full guns guns blazing and that's that's a running theme in this show is people bear their fangs but they do so in defense of those they love i think there's also a fair amount of self-loathing that we're being exposed to with sandy because he despises so much about his community and the lifestyle that he's accustomed to, but he also likes it, you Mm -hmm, know? And mm -hmm. how do you, how do you rectify both of those things? Right. An easy target would be the man who essentially represents the, the totem of this sort of hyper-capitalist, very elite, you know, 1% um, community. Right. But also he's a dick. So he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, but the other thing is, there's nothing you can do to hurt Caleb no. Nickel. Like, there's nothing no. you can do to hate Caleb Nickel. He's on top of the world. I mean, you could, like, plant a heart monitor. You could do one thing. You could do one thing. Okay. You could take a video of a young stray <laughs> fucking his girlfriend. <laughs> Just raw-dogging that girlfriend. I don't even think that he would care. With his young... You're totally fucking right. I was going to go off on a whole thing. No, he probably wouldn't even give a shit. No. Because he'd be like, you're a bug. I can crush you beneath the weight of my fucking investments. And also, Gabrielle is very good at observing people's characters, I Mm -hmm. think. Because Mm -hmm. at one point in that episode, she says he will only ever love one woman. Yep. And that woman is dead. Yep. So I'm here as Candy. Yep. And everyone in his life... Is candy. I'm here to give him a few handies so he goes to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not haunted by the the wife. Make sure he doesn't mix up the Coke and the, you know, what are the sleeping pills? You think Caleb Nickel parties? I do. I don't. I do. I think Caleb Nickel. I think Caleb Nickel comes home from a day of wheeling and dealing. And I think he... I think he kisses Gabrielle when he this comes This is going to be door. your fan fiction starring Anne Hathaway. <laughs> what the fuck is she doing in this? Um, she's not changing. She's not taking the place of Gabrielle. Gabrielle is my Gabrielle. Just I'll, for Gabrielle. I'll tell you the reference off pod. Oh, okay. I don't see why, why you have to do it off pod. Okay, fine. So there's going to be a movie that's essentially Harry Styles from One Direction fan fiction starring Anne Hathaway as the woman who falls in love with the Harry Styles insert. I don't think you know who Harry Styles is, so I was trying to spare you this indignity. He was in One Direction, wasn't he? <laughs>
Was he? Am I right? Yes. I am right! Yes! Triumph! <laughs> Caleb Nickel comes home from a long day. <laughs> Gabrielle, I'm home. Hi, honey. He goes into the large, large living room where she is draped across an enormous couch. How was your day? No, he doesn't ask how her day was. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> say hello. Uh, come say hello to me. He sta- She stands up gracefully, sulkily. Uh, sulkily? It's not sulkily. <laughs> she sulks over to him. <laughs> no. Sil- silkily? Skulkily? <laughs> Seductively. I think the word you wanted was silkily. <laughs> Zeus's petals. <laughs> he wraps his dead like hand around her waist, parking it at the small of her back. She's wearing she's wearing uh, a black silk shift. Uh <laughs> he pulls her in for a gentle yet firm kiss. <laughs> I was looking at his lips quite a lot <laughs> while he was talking. They're very thin. I don't know. They look very. They look stoic. Oh, God. But. Do you want me to shave my head and get gray hair? <laughs> and wear like four foot stilts. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll take I'll take this whole thing to AO3 later and then uh, <laughs> we'll see what comes of it. <laughs> Are we still at the dinner scene? We're Jesus Christ, we're still not even the fucking B plot with Jimmy. <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> Okay, okay, we're going to jump around. Well, what's her name goes to visit Ryan? What's her name was making, no, Gabrielle. Oh, Gabrielle. Don't we go there before we go, before we think about Marissa? Because there's, um, a, yeah, there's a whole fucking, no, 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 B plot no. with Marissa and Luke, and there's a C plot with Jimmy there, we're and Julie. S- no, we're still in the teen B plot because the worst thing on this show to ever happen happens and that is we got more bounce in california than all y'all combined (laughs) (laughs) that song started at the beginning of the episode it was made even worse by the fact that we had to pause it and rewind a little bit to get to something that we had missed yeah and because we're watching it on a streaming service that shows you closed captioning. It only on shows replay. closed captioning on replay when we miss something. <laughs> so it okay, it's scene. very practical. And there was the closed captioning of we got more bounce than all y'all. And I'm like, oh, so this song is literally as awful as I thought it was a minute ago before we packed up. Sorry, yes. That is a crime against nature, that fucking song. So they're on the boardwalk. They're like, who's they? They, the teens, are on the boardwalk. It's the Seth teens, and Ryan. Yeah, right? because uh-huh. Seth is is skateboarding on his butt. Uh huh. Which is how I skateboard. I think we were through over this in episode one. So we stand. Remember, the only time I've ever been skateboarding was on my butt down a hill. Fuck. 
did did Luke come and visit Marissa before that? Fuck. Fuck. Okay, look. At one point, <laughs> at, at one point, Luke visits Marissa. He's like, uh, he's like, hey, are you decent? Um, my arm is feeling better because I was shot. Uh, yes. He's like, this is actually okay. In the model home, we started yeah. to see Luke grow a little bit. He's really. He's continued to grow Ma- since then. Ma- 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 what the fuck? No, whoa, whoa. No, okay. No. Whoa, 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 There was the model home, quote, growth, and then he... Where he decided not to murder it. But right. then there was fully a party at Holly's house where he hooked up with Holly. Holly is the lady. Yeah, but that was like a thousand episodes ago now. It was not. Six, it was like not. A f- 500 episodes in dog years or fucking California years. You're exhausting. (laughs) He's showing growth. He had a near-death experience because Donnie shot him in the arm. And, okay, here's the thing that shows growth. We're believing characters. Are we deciding to believe characters? Sure. Okay, at least give me this. This This will at least be an interesting topic of conversation. Sure. So, if we're believing characters by their actions... Then you're not wrong. He did cheat on uh, Marissa twice now, actually, canonically. Uh Um, So he shows up. And one of those cheatings is was after the model home. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And he called. They were split up, weren't they? It doesn't. Because Marissa was. They were doing a Rachel. They were doing a. They were doing a. They were on a break because Marissa was fucking around with Ryan. I believe that's what was happening. I believe that's what was happening. I think that was the, maybe what was happening. Don't rely on my memory. It's I've, I feel like, like you're you're you know so but weakening your argument with every iteration of it. Well, I'm gonna try and make this argument because he visits Marissa. He says, you know, um, he says that. What does he say? He says, "I don't want to." He says, "I I." He uh, something along the lines of, "I almost died. I could have w- died." And I don't want to wait anymore. Bitch, you were shot in the arm. Bitch, there are arteries all over the human body and you're super fucking fragile. My God. Like, getting shot isn't fun, Sarah, (laughs) you know? So he brings her a little teddy bear. I've been shot three times before this episode and it's nothing. He brings her a little teddy bear. I'm just kidding. I've never been shot. Thank God. (laughs) And, you know, he has a little moment with her. She's a little conflicted all episode long. It's, be- mm-hmm. it's it's pretty apparent that she would really much prefer to explore what she could have with Ryan. I dislike Luke. I dislike his motivation. I'm not saying I like him. I feel like I, I wrote this down in my notes without even realizing that Seth had said a version of it. Did he have a lobotomy? Or did he get shot in the arm? He hasn't called anyone a queer. Yeah. All episodes. He treats Ryan with the utmost, like, affection and respect in this episode. And I don't even think it's, like, sarcastic, honestly. I think it is. I don't think it is. I read Luke really genuinely in this episode. I don't know if maybe I'm I'm giving him too much grace, but Luke in this episode, for me... He's not really so much... Here, here's my thing for Luke. Um, Marissa would absolutely cuck him if she had the opportunity. <laughs> but as we see later in the episode, that opportunity does not uh, present itself. Um, that opportunity does not arise. 
Why do you get tax? Why do you get to make that joke and I don't? I'm sorry. You're right. It's really not fair. <laughs> I'm really sorry. So okay, that was that's the scene. Um, Marissa looks a little flustered. She's like, "Oh gosh." You can see she's conflicted. She's like, you know, and if if we're gonna, a lot of the characters in this show play the role of a Greek chorus sometimes. And at one point when the girls are together, Summer and Marissa, and they're trying on dresses for the party. Summer is not in a bra. Yeah, what a nice change of pace. This would have been a perfect example for the pervy fucking directors to be like, oh, <laughs> Summer is in a small cop bralette. It's just hefting, hefting her little sea boobies. Bralettes didn't exist in the 2003s. Oh, it was only push-up bras. I stole my sister's Victoria's Secret catalogs. Little cup bralettes absolutely goddamn fucking existed. Absolute goddamn fucking loot. Okay, you don't know what a brawlet canonically is, but this is a different conversation. I'm, I'm thinking of the thing that. Tune works. in to our Patreon episode <laughs> where we go over <laughs> the types of bras extensively. I'll look up brawlets later. <laughs> You're right. I'm just really glad that they decided to actually keep Summer in her clothing all episode. They're now. all fucking push up bras. It shows and, restraint of yes. the moderate level. <laughs> We can only hope that someone got fired. But she is, like I was saying, the Greek chorus. Yeah. Because she and Marissa are having a little moment. She's like, I won't, is this dress too slutty? And Marissa's like, no. And then um, she's like, why haven't you got, why haven't you given it up to Luke yet? Uh, he's obviously in love with you. He's obviously handsome. Um, you should be down to fuck, you know, essentially is what she's saying. Is that how you read that conversation? Yeah. And I think that she's not. She's obviously voicing Summer, the character's thoughts, but she also plays, she's a little bit the internal monologue of Marissa, I think. Like, this is the part where I have a real disconnect between watching this when I was like 25 or whatever and watching it as a full-fledged adult because adult me is like, stop pressuring your friend to have sex. She should only have sex when she is in love and she is ready. With the right guy. With the right guy and preferably married surrounded by rose petals and jesus <laughs> when jesus consents when jesus consents everybody consents <laughs> but as a teen this is absolutely the type of i was not a cool teen i never had this conversation but this is absolutely a plausible conversation that you would have as a teen girl v card <laughs> promise ring yeah, i don't fucking yeah, know yeah no you're right you're totally right and the facial acting in this episode <laughs> is doing a lot of heavy lifting for what would be the character's internal monologue for horniness sadness um dejectedness eagerness yep. all of these things yep. playing across people's faces in very stilted and awkward ways it's glorious to watch um so, yes, they have that scene. Luke has his little scene. Ryan and Marissa have a scene at some point. What what happens when on the boardwalk? What? Why are Ryan and Seth there in the first place? They're there because they are frolicking on the boardwalk as teenage boys are wont to do. But something very interesting and 
written by horny 35 year olds happens here they're like oh it's fate burritos we should talk to marissa and summer because they're eating burritos together on the boardwalk does that happen does that happen before or after gabrielle visits ryan at work i can't remember both of those things happen and it doesn't matter the order time is fucking meaningless in this episode (laughs) so much happens it has demolished my concept of time zuzu's petals yes you get it (laughs) zuzu's petals but we need to talk about this fucking there are two instances in which i'm like the 35 year olds who would like to sleep with uh Ben McKenzie are running rampant here. And also Adam Brody. Because Summer, they're all getting the burritos. And it's not a sign, Seth. Everybody who doesn't like burritos. I can't think of a single person who doesn't like burritos. Monsters. Even people with dramatic, dangerous food allergies can find a burrito (laughs) that they can consume safely. (laughs) Honestly, like, for real, right? Burritos are a perfect food. It's true. So, they're all getting burritos together, and Summer leads Seth away from... Yeah! She does so under the auspices of let's let Ryan and Marissa talk, but then she also uses it as an opportunity to invite herself to the party. Yes. And there's this weird fucking throw-off, one-off, throw-off. It's late. Um, (laughs) This is an emergency episode recording. Um, Summer is like, Seth, lick the... This is why I am fully convinced this episode was written by completely different motherfuckers. Because no one is acting in their right heads. No one. This scene has no business in anywhere. No. So Sandy's, Sandy's whole deal is, is, is completely counter to the way that most of his, um, the way he comports himself Uh in, in earlier episodes. Yep. Um, Seth is actually someone that I don't want to punch in the face all episode long. You could also call that character growth, but we are loath to, we're not going to ascribe it, right? that. It keeps fucking going. Luke is not an overt villain. Yeah. Um, he calls no one queer. So this is another example is Summer. Summer, who has canonically wanted nothing to do with Seth, never remembers his name, is visually nauseated by his very presence in every episode one through five before this point. She is at a weird like salsa bar. The fuck is it? She's getting salsa for their burritos. And she also just had her nails done. And she goes, ew, I got some salsa on my pinky. And she looks at Seth and goes, lick it off. She holds up her pinky like a lollipop. My AO3 (laughs) is going to be Summer. Just doming everyone in sight, including me. Because, bitch. So Summer dips her big toe into this fucking salsa. (laughs) Reclines on a chair. (laughs) Runs the heel of her foot up Seth's 
ridiculously long torso. <laughs> 17 minutes later, when her big toe reaches his chin, <laughs> she huskily commands. Slave. <laughs> no, she holds up her little pinky and says, lick it. And you and I pause the fucking show and go, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and Seth looks directly into the camera and goes, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> He has a whole fucking Ferris Bueller moment where he goes, viewer, I'm as confused as you are. Honestly, what the fuck is happening right now? And what show he, is this? And then he drives a car into a pool. <laughs> and then it freeze frames and the voiceover goes, how did we get here? But truly, 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 this is fan service. This is something. This is someone who paid someone else on the staff to get this scene in. I will not accept any other explanation because what? 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 Spelled W W H A D T D T W H Y. So Luke, not Luke, Seth is as confused as we are. He still fucking licks her finger. This episode makes no sense. This episode makes no sense. This episode is so incredibly unhinged. Um, I can't wait to fucking see what happens after this episode. Because this episode took a chariot of surfboards and careened it off of a shoal of sharks. Like, <laughs> what the fuck happened in this episode? My dude, there are four seasons. <laughs> and how many episodes in a season? There's like 30 episodes in a season. <laughs> we are not even at the halfway point of season one. Buckle the fuck up. So at some point, Gabrielle visits Ryan. We're going to get you into CBD. <laughs> fucking mellow out before I see this fucking shit. I'm going to have to get back into meditation. Jesus yeah. Christ. Just for some fucking aftercare for these fucking shows. So at one point, Gabrielle visits Ryan at work. She goes. And this is a conversation where she basically tells him that I'm a paid escort, whatever. Yeah. And Ryan, to his credit, is like, girl. I live in a pool house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really fun, right? She's like, you must think little of me because of my circumstances and because of the agreement that I have with Caleb. Yeah, and he goes, bitch, I live in a pool house. <laughs> <laughs> he does not say bitch. Like, people who live in pool houses shouldn't throw glass stones or whatever the fuck. Especially when the person who is having the conversation with them comes to make out with them in the pool house later. Yeah. Because it is all windows. Holy fucking shit. I just, when does that happen? It, it happens before the party. It happens before the party and at the party. Yes. Okay. They are, I remember now. They're at dinner. Um, oh, this is okay. So we need to do a little bit of context for you, Steve. <sighs> Caleb disapproves of a lot of things in Kirsten's life, and Kirsten is under Caleb's thumb and under his scrutiny. 
And that's sort of important because we learn later that really all she wants is for him to be proud. They're kind of the only family that they have left uh, for each other because her sister's no longer in the picture. Correct. Right. And her mom is dead. But that's sort of a spoiler and also sort of jumping ahead because we didn't know that she had a sister. Yeah. At some point in the episode, I can't remember when. As they say, a reveal. A little bit of a reveal. (laughs) At one point, Sandy comes in. uh, He comes back from work. uh, Kirsten's like, how was the office? He was like, whatever. And he's really potentially excited about her demotion because he's got his little gears working in his head. And he thinks this is our chance to get out. You should quit, get out from under Caleb's, um, you know, eye, like the eye of fucking Sauron, except with just a really nice haircut. And live on my public defender salary in Berkeley. Well, he says that she could. This is where we also, we learn, we're introduced to some of Kirsten's desires, some of her old dreams that she used to have when, I'm assuming Seth was a baby, Right. I'm thinking of a tiny little baby, Seth, that's only about 14 feet long. You know, he's coiled up in <laughs> he his He hasn't crib. grown into his torso yet. <laughs> right. They've got him coiled up in his crib like a little snake. A little baby snake. Um, and she always wanted to open a gallery, which I think is really interesting. Adam Brody, your torso is normal and we respect you as a human. Yeah! If... Anyone ever mentions <laughs> the torso thing? We have apparently a Twitter. Is that right? Mm-hmm. The fuck is our at for the fucking Twitter? Uh, look, look, look it up. Fucking, we so, should fucking advertise this thing. It's so consequential that I can remember it. Orange U, like the, the letter letter U, U the numeral one. <laughs> Okay, so we're at orange U, the letter U, numeral one. Uh-huh. So if anyone ever mentions how much we talk about Adam Brody's long torso on that Twitter, I'll give you a dollar. Me? You. Me? Not the person on the internet. Fuck that person. You. I will reach into my pants and I'll pull out. This is a meaningless gesture a because we have a shared bank account. <laughs> I'll give you... A, what's the fancy maraschino cherry? A Dubro, a Swarovski cherry? What's it called? The, the really dark cherries. Um, a Dombrovsky cherry? A Rome? I really just want to let you, I don't want to give you a lifeline here. Bitch, it is an hour and seven minutes in here. (laughs) We're getting off the cherries. We gotta fucking get this shit moving! So... Sandy is excited. Mm. He thinks this is a grand opportunity for them to go back to Berkeley. Uh, they can they can keep his salary, and then she can open a little gallery. Um, I'm, I mean, they probably have more than enough money. They could probably both retire. This is an inc- a tonal inconsistency to me with Caleb's character, because if he was this controlling as to be upset about the existence of Ryan and the architect, there is no way he would not have told Kirsten what to major in. Yeah, right. Are we are we led to believe that he's sort of been pulling the strings from the background this whole time? 
He absolutely, no, you're totally right. A, a controlling person like that. I think the fuck not. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But again, tonal inconsistencies, character inconsistencies, they all goddamn abound in episode six. <laughs> episode six, we may as well be in the upside down. We may as well be in fucking like <laughs> Spookyville. I don't know. Like this is, it's the episodes where the Ghostbusters go into the ghost trap or into the fucking vault or whatever. And there's like the human busters. Like we are fully through the looking glass here people this is like superman has a mustache spock has a goatee like up is down left is right it's this is just nothing makes sense anymore black is mirrored yeah like okay so okay okay we gotta yeah so i was i was talking about sandy's conversation because that becomes important before they're having a little personal dinner at the house and sandy Again, really out of character. He decides, so he and Kirsten are talking uh, about the conversation that they had earlier. And she's like, I'm not going to talk about it. And of course, Caleb walks in and says, talk about what? Sandy opens his fat mouth and is like, oh, she wants to quit. She wants to fucking quit. We're going to go back to Berkeley. Fuck you, Caleb. Fuck, Fuck you, dad. Die. You're not my real dad. Fucking, a die. fucking fall down a fucking hill and die in a fucking ravine. Dad. Exactly. And Kirsten tries to recover. She does a terrible job. Caleb's like, we're thinking of quitting. Blah, 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 blah. And the whole thing turns into a shouting match. And that is when the kids um, excuse themselves. They're all in a separate room. And when Caleb says, well, you brought that rabbit dog fully infested into the house. That's when they're like, well, maybe we should go into the pool house. That's where commercial break. We see that is is Gabrielle playing. It's like a 3DS or a Nintendo DS or something like that. You thought it was a. <laughs> I thought it was a makeup compact because I was too poor to have a 3DS. I didn't have okay. a 3DS either. I'm just familiar with what they are. I just really where they are. Wow. <laughs> wow. I feel bullied. <laughs> So Seth excuses himself from this little this little hangout. So I, what I love is because this is before everyone had phones. Gabrielle is playing a game. Ryan is reading a magazine. What is Seth doing? Is he also reading? Is he reading comics? They're reading comics. Yes, that's right. They're reading comics. They would all be on TikTok if this was <laughs> if there's the 20 year anniversary. Um, so Seth, what does Seth go to do? What does he go to do? I don't remember why he leaves. I also do not remember. He leaves, and what happens? Do you want to dictate this? Do you want to? Do you want to take us through the fucking scene? Statutory sexual assault. Yeah. Wow. Like Gabrielle crawls onto the bed. Literally crawls like Catwoman, like Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Two. Crawls. I have, like, okay, I don't hate Gabrielle as a character, right? I hate the entire existence of this subplot because it was a... Throughout history, men, boys, who have been put in sexually compromising positions who have been assaulted who have been raped have been told that they should be 
you know, grateful right. for the attention that at least she was hot. They should and feel lucky. They should right? feel yeah. lucky. It's just disgusting. This is this is like a canon example of that mentality. And we didn't have the 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 spoons mm-hmm. to interrogate that mindset. It was just I don't know where it came from. It sprung from a producer's brain fully formed yep in like porkies <laughs> or something <laughs> and i just i hate it i hate it yeah it's one of the parts of the show that doesn't well i shouldn't say it doesn't age well it's just it's absolutely a cliche trope yeah and you you, you put it perfectly with any scrutiny you, immediately it reveals itself as were the were the gender roles reversed this would be played for what it is, which is, yeah, sexual assault. Like, there is so much discourse in the online and in the world right now about age gap relationships. And the discourse kind of is... I'm sorry for, you know, explaining the discourse to everyone. So it's probably as equally online about it as I am. No, but I'm gonna... Well, let's not assume that. Okay. Explain the discourse. No assumptions. Like, men, the, the, the assumption that the discussion is men uh, are drawn to younger women because they don't know what else to expect sexually. They don't know... Oh, yeah, they're inexperienced. They're inexperienced, so whatever experience they get from the older person is going to be, like, the bar that's set for them, and they don't know to want more. And I cannot help but think that when the when the gender roles are reversed, I don't know what Gabrielle wants from this because I don't care how many people Ryan has slept with and I am I am so gross for thinking about how many people Ryan who is 17 has slept with he's gonna he's not gonna be any good <laughs> what is she getting out of this other than a sense of power there you go that's exactly, I was going to agree with you 100% before you even said it. She says her motivations are she's bored, but really, it, it, I, actually, okay, let's believe her and say that she's bored, but it is the way that she decides to alleviate that boredom by expressing her power over this minor. Get a crossword puzzle <laughs> Do book. a Sudoku, Gabrielle! Sudoku didn't exist in 2003. To the phone! <laughs> I'm about to prove your ass so fucking wrong. Okay, so this is a hill that we're gonna die on. When was Sudoku invented? So- <laughs> 1979! <laughs> 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 1979! Okay, do you feel better? The more you know... <laughs> okay, but do you feel she better? She grabs his dick <laughs> through his she jeans. She actually, literally, on the Fox News in front of everyone, and... 
What's I mean, his fucking name? Camera, but like her hand is on his thigh, and then we cut to a, a like a, a shot of like his torso up, and her arm moves up, and his eyes go as if to say, "Oh, she's holding my penis." <laughs> so it's as much as as much of that as you can get away with on Fox. Yeah. And then they, then does she smooch him? There is many smooching. Yes, then they're smooching. Yes. Oh, that's right. And then you hear Caleb's voice from off camera go, Gabrielle, we're leaving. And she stands up and she's like, see you later, stud. No, she goes back to work. That's right. She puts her lanyard on that says, um, Caleb's bitch. <laughs> Financially and sexually. <laughs> Is in the fine print. <laughs> and she leaves. And the shot, the shot that we cut to before commercial break is great because Ryan's, the leg that is, uh, the leg that's towards camera is up as if to say, oh, he I is. am concealing my very visible <laughs> erection. He is tumescent. <laughs> he is, he is just, he, he's just. <laughs> Let me get closer to the mic. <laughs> Engorged. Oh, God. <laughs> also, Roger Ailes is oh, the God, name that I was trying dizzy. to think of. I made myself dizzy by saying engorged the way I did. I said it too breathily. Oh, honey. Was Marilyn Monroe dizzy all the time? Probably. Okay. Wow. That was a lot. So okay. what the fuck happens next? We still haven't touched on the C plot of Jimmy and Julie. What we'll get to Jimmy, we'll get to Jimmy and Julie eventually. We'll we'll separate oh this God. into teens and adults. But so much happens so in much the world of teen in this fucking thing. So much teen. Um. Okay. So Ryan, in going back to the conversation that summer sucks, get Seth to suck her <laughs> suck finger her on fucking pinky. Yeah. Did Joss Whedon write this episode? I have in my notes. Who the fuck wrote this? You keep talking. I have. Who wrote this fucking episode? I have in my notes, Ryan, you biffed it. And I have in my notes, Ryan, you biffed it because, like, he gets super snotty about Marissa making a choice. And yes, in the past episode or two, he's been like, choose me, love me, Meredith from Grey's Anatomy speech. This is going to be so long to Google. I'm just vamping here. No, hang on. I'm vamping and I have... He still looks really good. Alan Dale plays Caleb Nickel and he's still hot. He's still hot. You don't know that that's a recent shot. He could be dead and he'd still be hot. It's not telling me who wrote it. It's because they're ashamed of themselves. Oh, for Pete's Alan sake. Alan Smithy wrote this. Alan Smithy. So, Ryan, it, they have a conversation on the boardwalk, and Ryan is like, Let me know when you make up your mind. That's right. That's and where so much face acting happens, it hurts. Yeah. She I was eating cheese, and you specifically... <laughs> rewound it so that I didn't miss the face acting. And I'm glad you rewound it because the face acting was severe. A lot a lot of eyes darting back and forth. 
and a lot of hair flipping and a lot of looking around and a lot of the the kind of like swallowed you know scoffs of like <sighs> yeah so like fair Ryan should say, let me know when you've decided, but also he has spent this entire episode and probably part of the last episode just kind of stumbling on her in doorways and making weird faces and retreating. (laughs) And that is not the same as saying, ma'am, right? I would like to date you. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly put my penis in you consensually. <laughs> and take it out again. And then take it out. And put it in again. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get cited for child pornography. <laughs> <laughs> my God. So that is why I have in my notes Ryan biffed it. Okay. Uh, sh- should we... Should we... Fast forward to the fucking party. We're at the party now. Thank God we've made it to the party. Except, no, we haven't yet made it to the party because at one point we we say the name Jimmy Cooper. When does the name come up? And we cut to Jimmy Cooper. It doesn't matter. We cut to Jimmy Cooper. (laughs) He's in his office. He's looking at his screen, which is just a graph that is plummeting. And the top of the graph is something like... Jimmy, Jimmy Cooper. Cooper money. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Cooper money. <laughs> and it's like, he basically he hovers his mouth over this graph and it's a sad trombone. And he's like, why do I not have more of the money? <laughs> it just goes, wop, 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 And Julie comes in and, it, uh, God, she just digs she at him immediately. She comes in with a riding helmet and a crop and puts both of them on Jimmy's desk and says... We had to shoot the horse. We had to say goodbye <laughs> to Caitlin, who we don't know exists at this point. No, the, the horse. The horse. No, the child is Caitlin. Oh. Caitlin had to say goodbye to Alopecia Horse. <laughs> we, had to, we had to put the pony down, Jimmy. We had to put a bullet in his brain. And Jimmy is like... I don't feel good about any of this. I don't know what you want from me. And she's like, yeah, good. You shouldn't fucking feel good. She's just twisting the knife this whole fucking time. No, he says, I don't know what you want from me. Beat, beat. Julie says, I want a divorce. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little ambiguous at the last episode whether or not they were going to divorce. Oh, it was not ambiguous. No, it at was. All. Remember because oh, no. because Kristen oh. or Kirsten said, you know, you sort of have a choice. You know, when Sandy gave when Sandy laid out, um, <laughs> Skipper, Jimmy, what is Skipper coming to my head? When Sandy laid out Jimmy's options, Jimmy presented those options to Julie. And if we wanted to read Julie's character with any generosity, which we now don't. We don't, because as I have said previously in lauding Julie as a character, Julie is out for Julie. Yeah, for sure. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But she also has a little bit of growth. In this episode, too, later on. You're right. She says, I want a divorce. Dun, dun, dun. Cut to commercial. And then let's fucking, we should just just go to the fucking party. Yep. So we're at the party. 
It looks like a great shindig, honestly. And Caleb looks like he's having a fucking blast the entire time. He's schmoozing with people he likes. Kirsten is not having a fucking blast. Oh my God, right? Okay, this is a very father of the bride sequence. Uh, she is, so we're... Um, we're Aaron Sorkining in front of her. She's walking through the crowd. She's checking the canapes to make sure. And every single, did you notice? Every single person with whom she interacts, uh, the wine server, uh, she looks at the wine choice and says, uh, the 73, that's his favorite. Uh, the canapes come and she looks at them and said, does this have cilantro in it? Good. He hates cilantro. That's ex- no, it, so it says it doesn't have cilantro. Good. He hates it. To me, that is exposition because they absolutely would have confirmed that before where the fire, the caterers would have been fired. Well, yeah. And Ryan wouldn't have lit a thousand candles before leaving the city. But like... <laughs> fair <laughs> so anyway she's Aaron Sorkining around making sure everything is great Caleb and Gabrielle arrive uh, Gabrielle immediately ditches Caleb <laughs> Caleb starts rubbing elbows with the elite of Newport Summer starts going in on the finance and bros of Orange County that's why she got Seth to invite her in the first place. And she tells Marissa as much. Uh, she's like, I've been reading Forbes. <laughs> There's going to be some real movers and shakers at this party. We're also apparently meant to uh, construe that the fact that Summer has been reading Forbes is that she has hidden depths. I suppose. And she knows how to read. What? <laughs> Summer is literate. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I suppose that they have to give us some inkling that she has a brain rattling around in there because every other episode, all she has done is gamble, get super wasted at Holly's parties, and poo-poo Seth. Oh, and chase Luke. Like, those are the only things she's done. Yeah. And also, like, she does a couple things where she's kind of a good friend. In this episode, I think she sort of is a good friend back in the episode where she dumps Marissa's inert body on the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) But like, no, the burrito scene. She's like, oh, oh, Seth, we have to leave for mysterious reasons. I need you to fillet my fucking... I need you to fillet my finger like a tiny cock. But okay. We're at the party. So here's another thing that happens at the party that made me pause this show while we were watching it and scream. This is where there was so much screaming. There was a lot. There was literal actual screaming. So much screaming. I did a terrible job of hiding it in the last couple episodes, but this is where we start seeing how hard the show wants us to like Seth. He is the king of outsized romantic gestures and otherwise not speaking to his crush object. He is the Lloyd Dobler of 2003. And he is making an entire generation of teen girls think that this is normal behavior discuss remind me oh is roy dobler um um i'm better off dead no no oh uh, say say the right thing say anything say anything say anything holding say the right thing (laughs) (laughs) you got some some italian shoots fucking seth you got some things confused my guy (laughs) 
Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, curly. yeah. No, you're, uh, yeah. Nail, head, bam. Totally. Because, um, now that scene happens a little later in the party. Do you want to discuss that right now? Because it's relevant to your question. I do. Okay, Steve. So at some <laughs> point in the party, at some point in the party. I think we have to give up on the pipe dream that you Steve cannot is listening take this from me. to these episodes. You cannot take this from me. I have to believe that he's listening. I have to believe. So Steve, who I know is there. At one point later in the party, Seth gets wise to the fact that Summer is using him to speak with these finance bros. No. He's sulking. Seth is wise from when Summer oh, is right, herself. Yeah, he's like, are you, do you want to come to the party with me or do you just want to come to the party? And she sort of looks at him and he's like, show up at eight. <laughs> so this whole tantrum God, from Seth is unwarranted. He's such a loser. Listen. He is the least loseriest loser of all the losers of this episode, so that counts as like a winner. Go. <laughs> right in the scheme of things, he's a winner. <laughs> so he's sulking. Summer comes upon him and is like, Seth, you have to introduce me to this fiduciary. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm fiduciary. sick of it. I'm, I'm sick of this bullshit. You can go talk to this fucking Fortune 500 fuck of your, yourself. But they don't really know you, Summer. They don't know you like I know you, Summer. And he's like, um, what's the first thing? Proceeds to list a bunch of creepy things up to and including watching Summer feed a squirrel in third grade and memorizing an entire poem that she wrote in third grade and this is supposed to be romantic when he has it okay i hate seth again yeah boy when you put it that way um just talk to women but then again okay help me here talk to them because when he is reciting the poem uh-huh. that she had even forgotten about she interrupts him with a smooch with a smooch which once again, characters are not themselves in this episode. <laughs> characters are not themselves. Is this a Midsummer Night's Dream? Really? The OC? Really? Like, is this a fucking much ado about? Is this is some fucking Brigadoon bullshit happening here? Have we a dude about the things <laughs> appropriately? This is the goddamn Tempest. Comment in the comments. There are no comments. I was going to say, they're just going to have to DM. That's <laughs> at orange letter U, the numeral one. <laughs> what a terrible at. It's not good. Orange U was taken. <laughs> I would have done the whole thing. Can't you do the whole thing on a Twitter? Aren't you glad we watched the OC? Oh, for... Pitties. It's fine. You're our webmaster. I believe that you, you're going to social media real good. Brevity is the soul of Twitter. Oh, my God. That's a really... I like that. Good job. Thank you. Good job. So why the fuck does she kiss Seth? I, okay. And I love the fact that she smooches him. And then she's like, I'm going to go talk to this finance bro. Bye. And then he goes, best party ever. What? 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 Why? What? 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 
to consolidate a couple of things. The second time that Gabrielle is making out with Ryan. What? Hang on, 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 hang um, Who is making goo goo? I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Gabrielle is making goo 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 dolls at Ryan <laughs> because she sees that Seth has I summer. Tell him your name. <laughs> she can see that Seth uh, made good on his attempts and brought summer. She approaches Ryan and says, "Well, you know, because they oh, that's right. They talked about Marissa a little bit when she visited him in the restaurant. Is your teen dick available? Right. Yeah. How about that?" Uh, how about that pony ride? How about that very short pony ride? <laughs> How about that unsatisfying, yeah, three second long, messy oh fucking pony ride? Where do I insert the coin? Um, so she comes upon him and what is she? Oh, she has a maraschino cherry and she licks it. Once again. Yeah, some first fucking horny on main motherfucker wrote this fucking episode. First of all, we are viewing this in the lens of coronavirus <laughs> and also monkeypox. But whoops, like would put a cherry in their mouth and then be like, "Eat it, eat it, boy, eat it, boy, eat it, boy." She's learned a lot from Caleb. <laughs> That's obvious. <laughs> He has a guiding hand in her actions. That's pretty apparent. So that's he the thing. eats the cherry. So he eats the cherry. That's and she's like, thing. "Find me later." She says, "Find me later," with a very "come hither" look. Right. Later is the next scene. Yeah. Well, right. It's a few scenes. He's he seems a little out of place. He seems a little lost. Marissa does show up at one point with Luke on her arm. Um, they're very, very touchy-feely, or Luke is at least. Marissa's a little aloof? Yeah. Would that be fair? Yeah. Because she's very torn. She said as much. We should believe what she says. I wouldn't necessarily say she's conflicted. She wants Ryan, but she feels she needs to be there for Luke. And also, I think she's starting to recognize that maybe a little bit intuitively he's the safer bet. Maybe. I don't know. I might be. I might be giving her too much credit. But... Ryan is hiding. He hides at one point um, in the pool house. What's he doing in the pool house? Reading comics? He's just in the pool house, man. He just, just hanging out in the pool. He just can't really. Yeah, house. he can't do the party right now. This poor fucking kid has been dragged to so many parties he wants nothing to do with. Just every fucking episode. I mean, he kind of wanted something to do with his party in his pants. And yeah, he wanted the party to move down south. <laughs> to Tijuana. <laughs> so Gabrielle comes upon him and she's like, hmm, all alone. Eh? Uh, she's like hiding and he's like, no, I'm not hiding. And he, she's like hiding from her and he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not hiding. I'm, no, I'm not hiding. He's obviously hiding. Yeah. And she's like, well, you should hide that dick in my Oh, God. <laughs> they don't actually fuck. Um, she mounts him. She is like, I gotta say, for family television, she is riding him, though. It's like, she is grinding. A lot of cuts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of smooching. A lot of very impassioned smooching. Oh, and 
the scene right before this, uh, Marissa, where is Marissa? And she leaves that scene. And then we cut to, to Gabrielle mounting Ryan. She's like in her bathroom or something. Like what the fuck happened? Re- no, it is immediately after Summer is talking to Marissa about... That's right. They're in the bathroom together. Yep. Yes, and Summer's like, why haven't you given it up to Luke? I understand why you had difficulty remembering this scene because Summer in- did indeed have a top on. <laughs> so they're like, uh, Summer is like, Luke is so nice and He's handsome. super hot. He's into you. He's none of these things. He's pretty cute. Summer, no, no, listen. Yeah, hey, talk, say what you want to say. Physical attributes aside, everyone knows that up until this reverse heel turn, opposite <laughs> of heel turn, face turn. In this face turn, face turn, we'll say face turn. Fucking sure. In this episode, Lucas calls everyone. Yeah, yeah, and not, yeah. also he's a bad he's person. He's not really into her. He's not. He? No. no. But again, nobody is who they are in this episode. So Luke is this person in this episode. He is into her. He is a doting boyfriend. So are we just saying this is Midsummer Night's Dream? I guess. Okay. There's some kind of magic in the air that's making people do weird shit in this episode. Okay. So this is where, of course, we all saw it coming. What did you say? You saw people that don't speak English knew this was coming. Um, Gabrielle people was on top who were of watching this in their respective countries and their subtitle function was broken. Knew that this this is knew telegraphed this from so fucking far away. Because Marissa is like doing her hair or some shit after this conversation with Summer, and it's like gasp. It is Ryan. I must go to him. I must go to him. And there's a beat. And then we see the older woman basically on top of Ryan. Just fisting his mouth with her fucking (laughs) fucking tongue. Yeah. And Marissa opens up the door and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, Ryan pokes his head up like a fucking deer in the headlights and is like, he may as well have been covered in red lipstick. Like that's the whole fucking sight gag that we may as well have succumbed to. So Marissa does some eye acting <laughs> in the doorway. Excuse me. She flees. And uh, this, uh, where, well, yeah. Okay. So Gabrielle's just kind of like, so we fucking or what? <laughs> and Ryan is like, oh no. Uh, and Marissa seeks out Luke like a fucking heat seeking missile uh-huh. and smooches him super hard. And then she's like, let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of Dodge and let's get the Dodge fucking. Let's fuck. And then it is teen sex time for teens. Montage. There are so many gratuitous shots of Marissa's butt in her underwear that I kept expecting her to say, oh, let me take off my Victoria's Secret underwear or I got them 10% off with opening a card. (laughs) Is her is her choice realistic? Yeah, I think it is. Well, uh, realistic in the rules of the OC, or realistic in the rules of in the a rules of having being. a human emotion. Yeah. But also, it's, put- she has revenge sex with with Luke. To, to, she has revenge virginity sex with Luke to get back at Ryan for what she thinks is sex with Gabrielle. Right. But also, like. 
this is the saddest scene in the world. It's so obvious that she's not into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. Like, she is smooching. (laughs) Now, hey, let's talk about consent. Because, again, Luke is... Luke is not himself in this episode, which is why he's che- he checks in multiple times. Yeah, they're no they're they're making out hot and heavy like normal Randy teens. They're they're very close. Their noses are sort of touching each other. He's like, um, "Is this okay?" She's like, she never really enthusiastically says like yes, you know, She's but she like, absolutely says okay. like okay, yeah, like she she knows that this is what she intended to happen. You know, but she second guessed herself so much throughout the actual experience of it that someone, i.e., Luke, should have been like, "Listen, you really don't seem into this." Yeah. Let's, well, but okay, but honest, like, let's watch TikToks. Like, <sighs> this is one of the things about bad acting and how it <laughs> really like and how it impacts. Um, the reality of a scene or, you know, this is the way a scene is meant here. uh, This is how bad acting impacts the way that you, the way that the script describes the action, the way that the script defines the, uh, the language Mm -hmm. and how that can conflict with the way the actor portrays the the words and the actions right yep so the perfect example that i'm going to use here is when luke drops marissa off after they've had sex luke the actor who plays luke is doing a fine job of portraying i just got laid right i do think that he's in sort of a lovey state at that point he keeps saying i love you and kissing marissa and she does not say i love you back very purposely um marissa Who's, what actor plays Marissa? Misha Barton. Misha Barton is doing a good... Like, it's This fucking episode. When they're making out, she is really making out with him. Like, physically, the, the way that Misha Barton is acting that love scene is like, I am physically into this. She does a super good job of being conflicted. Yeah, because then think. her words and her face yeah. are like... This isn't really a, their words, and even though her words are like okay, they're like affirmative words. They're not enthusiastic. She's not saying "I love you" back. Her heart is not in it. We know for a fact because of context that she wishes she was with Ryan. That she wishes she would have fucking, you know, um, uh, you know, clocked in her V card with Ryan. Like that's what we want for her, but that's not the way that the cookie crumbled. Like I'm sure. That there are some. I said the word B card. I'm so sorry. What a gross. Ugh. Ugh. Sorry. Keep going. We're gonna have a companion YouTube episode of this (laughs) where you apologize. (laughs) Please continue with what you were saying. I apologize. I there. I do not doubt that there are 17 year olds in the world who had gratifying sexual experiences for their very first time. And bless them if they were 17 and were able to do it. But I think she does a really excellent job of conveying the pain Mm -hmm. of this character and the tornness of this character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, I don't think it's out of character. And I also don't think it's inconsistent with the situation that she'd be into making out because... 
She is physically attracted to Luke. That's a fact. She wouldn't date him if she weren't. He's a honk. He's a honk. He's a hunk of beef. You cannot be into Luke and into Caleb. I'm sorry. Watch me. <laughs> Fucking tune in and watch me. Okay. Moving on. So a note that I took. Does she get, to, does she, as in Marissa, get to be upset that Ryan is making out with Gabrielle? He has basically given her the choose me, love me, marry me speech right. that I alluded to previously from Grey's Anatomy, like the last couple of episodes. And she's been like, I don't really, yeah, no. Well, I will say this. <laughs> I think that her reaction is pretty consistent because if I were her, because she's not privy to all of the things that the audience is privy to, uh-huh. all the little crotch grabbings, right? All yeah. those things. She doesn't know that shit is happening. So it is extremely a little out of left field that when she find that when she's looking for Ryan to have a moment with him, that suddenly he's making out with Seth's grandmother. Like, that is a little out of the blue. And honestly, if I were Marissa, I too would be taken quite aback from that. But also... What? She's not going to expect him to be fucking Gabrielle? That's not the go-to thing. Whatever, they're horny teens. Oh my God! You don't think that... I'm saying there's room for multiple interpretations. Oh my god! Okay, I'm so I'm gonna say definitively she has a right to be upset. Yes. So here's how we end Don't this. Don't lean on me. Here's how we end this episode. Luke drives Marissa home, and he's like, "I love you, babe. Let me walk you to the door and whatever." And she's like, "No, I can walk by myself." And meanwhile, Ryan is. Uh, Brandon Lee from the crowing basically on he's gargoyling on the top of the house being like when is this slut getting home and she gets home he is a real gargoyle too water is just pouring out of his open mouth (laughs) and the visual language of the show is absolutely meant to convey that Ryan knows that she has been V carded. What? 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 So tell tell Steve what the, what the visual language. So is. Steve, <laughs> Misha Barton's hair in this whole series has been straight ironed, perfectly quaffed, perfectly quaffed, like a, like a sculpted wave to the right, right? Like from the scene where she goes and asks. Ryan for a cigarette. She's like, but my hair is so perfect. <laughs> uh, my hair will cannot smoke the cigarette. <laughs> and when she gets out of Luke's car, her hair is what? Are we gonna? You I, gotta. Do you do you want like a word to say the, together? What do you want? Oh, I, you want me to breathily? I want you to breathily say. Okay. Uh, tussled. <laughs> Did you want tussled? Yes. Is that what you wanted? Yes. Really? You wanted tussled? Yes. This is why we're married. Excellent. We both knew tussled. <laughs> we both we were both betting on tussled and we got what we wanted, everybody. And the 17-year-old with impeccable emotional uh radar is like, you had sex. Yeah. 
and he is devastated. He doesn't say anything, does he? No, he doesn't say he anything. He comes upon her and she says, you're too late. She turns around and looks at him and says, you're too late. And that's where the episode ends. But that's like an ambiguous statement, I think. Mm-hmm. What is he too late for? Is he too late for a relationship? Or is she literally saying, I just got boned my dude right and that's the only thing you cared about you're, and you're, now i am boned you're too late to play zoot suit riot by the cherry popping daddies these <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> just come off the top i'm just that good it's the dome so there is a scene before this that i want to touch on okay kirsten and caleb have a moment right do they throughout yes throughout the entire party Caleb keeps nagging Kirsten again. He's like, let me know when you're going to let me know what your last day is so that I can replace you. Right. The entire time he's like, you should quit. Blah, 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 blah. So then he's like, hey, Kiki, thanks a lot for a good party. You know, we both miss your mom. And she's like, yeah, I just want you to be proud of me. They do have a moment. What you don't you think they don't have a moment? No, no, it is not a moment because she says, I just want you to be proud of me. And do you know what he says in response to that? I'll see you on Monday. Nothing. He says, I'll see you on Monday. That doesn't count. He comes from a generation. I, do, I don't where care. You don't say. I don't care. <laughs> this is, this is a T-ball. Leave my daddy alone. <laughs> for fun. <laughs> this is a T-ball for four-year-olds getting set up. <laughs> like here, the T is. No, no, no. He would know. He would know no. that if he said it then, if he he know he knows that if he said it then, it would be meaningless because you? then she wouldn't really know if he was proud of her. She would. He knows that she might misconstrue it as him just placating her, and he's not going to do that to his the only daughter with whom he still has a relationship. As a daughter of fathers, <laughs> which is a title. That you cannot ascribe for yourself. If I said to my father, I just want you to be proud of me, pause for several beats (laughs) and possibly an interlude from the person who scores this episode, (laughs) I would expect blank name. (laughs) I am proud of you. And he couldn't even give her that. That is a setup. That is a tea. That is miniature golfing into the mouth of the fucking crocodile. And he couldn't do that shit. Fuck. Well, Caleb. Maybe she should have done something to be proud of. <gasps> <laughs> Team Caleb. Team Caleb. marriage counseling (laughs) okay so then the the episode is fully truly done fully truly done um do you have more questions no (laughs) we don't come on you've got to have more shit to talk about fuck we're only almost two hours in okay we are at an ew count (gasps) oh yeah ew count yay of two you an ew count of two 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 because <laughs> the salsas and the burritos scene holy shit we don't have any gay panic do we yes we do fuck 
Um, what is it? Whatever game they were playing on the DS, the pirate game, Seth said, that's a little minty. What does minty mean? It's a substitute for fruity, probably, that you couldn't say because of censors. Tell me what else minty means. I don't know. I have no con. I have no idea. It'll be in the special Patreon episode. We're gonna have to look it up. Does Urban Dictionary know what the word minty means? It's a substitute for fruity that could not get past the sensors. Slide into the DMs. It's at orange letter U numeral one on Twitter. Slide into them DMs. Luge bobsled into them DMs and let us know what the fuck minty means and whether or not it adds to the to the gay panic count. The lycanthropy count is also it too. What did he do? What did he do in this episode? He was real worried about his hair um, on the boardwalk. Was he like, is tonight going to be a full moon? <laughs> no, he was like, is my hair? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The reason he the reason he looked at her finger with such reticence is because he didn't want to get the taste of human blood again because then it would make him go rapid. He's like, I can't feed again. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Who is your episode MVP? Fuck. Can you do yours first? Yeah. Yeah, do yours. You know what yours is. My MVP is Julie. Explain. Julie knows exactly what she wants. Julie knows exactly what will... Oh, shit, but hang on. We didn't fucking talk about Jimmy and Julie. Oh, you can... We're okay. In, it I'm, is I'm, too I'm, late. No, it's not, the- it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's <laughs> not. Steve. So uh, <laughs> J- Jimmy wasn't supposed to come to the party. Right. Julie's at the party. She's trying to put together what pieces of her okay, reputation have been broken. This is an important statement. It is an important thing. And it's also important to why she's your MVP is my assumption. Um, so Jimmy's not supposed to be at the party. Julie is there s- trying to piece together what remains of her reputation in the community of her peers. Jimmy fucking shows up. She comes up to him and is like, what the fuck are you doing She's here? She's like, bitch, do not show up to this party. You owe everyone four millions of dollars. Right? She's like, they're going to fucking kill you. What the fuck are you doing here? They're going to... Shit. They're going to midsummer you. Like, they're going to fucking... That's what I was going this for! This is why we're married. That's they're going to put your body in a fucking bear corpse and set it on fire. <laughs> and he's like, but this is great. Because Kirsten... A few episodes ago said there was nothing I wouldn't do for my family. And Jimmy, who has enjoyed the prestige of a banker, or sorry, of, a, of an investment banker, right? Mm-hmm. Comes to the party specifically hat in hand to ask Caleb for a job. Um, Julie says he's never going to go for it. You've lost millions of dollars. And he says, I have to try. I have to try to keep my family together. And he and his hairline... Fail. Fail miserably. Yeah, Caleb has the exact same feeling that we do. He can't pull off the Clooney because he doesn't have the salt and pepper. Um, (laughs) So Jimmy, tail between his legs, um, you know, is drinking. And uh, Julie's like, did you get it, you little bitch-ass wimp? And uh, Jimmy's like, nope, I didn't get it. And uh, Julie starts walking towards Caleb. And Jimmy's like, where the fuck are you going? And she's like, to finish what you started. And she has a little... Very sort of very, very politic kind of conversation with Caleb, right? It's not politic. It's extremely sexually charged and oh, really? Implicit. Oh, absolutely. Oh, she is going to have a dinner. Really? Yeah. I didn't read it like that at all. Mm -hmm. 
is that why she's your MVP? I thought she was just sort of falling back on the the clout that she had and the relationship that she had with Caleb from when she was a kid. She's fucking Kirsten's friend. Like, well, I guess you. I guess we're gonna see. Oh fuck! I guess we will see. I guess we're gonna see, aren't we? That's why I'm fucking hooked on this goddamn thing. No, I'm the, sorry, I interrupted you. You it, were explaining why Julie's your MVP. It was the eye contact for me, and the oh, we'll be in touch. Julie just kind of has bedroom eyes all the time, though. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading that. Mm. So she's your MVP because she defends the family or because because she knows what she wants? She knows exactly what the fuck she wants. She does not care if she has to divorce a guy in order to get it. She will not stay with a guy who has lost four millions of dollars. (laughs) She will not put up with a guy who lost the alopecia horse. She's going to keep her kids into the horse, into the ponies. Whose name? they've become accustomed. I cannot remember the ponies name r.i.p pony so that's my mvp your mvp is julie boy oh boy oh boy oh boy okay so in episodes past when i have chosen my mvp it's been based on agency Mm -hmm. and whose actions sort of advance the larger storyline but also yeah who kind of represents themselves honestly like i my mvp i considered really hard at being sandy but sandy does so much of this episode speaking out of turn yeah for speaking for kirsten for someone who really needs to speak up for themselves and also he in the at the dinner he's like summer summer is hot (laughs) yeah yeah. I'm like, my God, yeah. I'm like, sir. He's like, oh, Summer. Oh, she's a tight little piece of ace. Oh, God. It's like, oh, God, Sandy, don't say that. Oh. And his eyebrows kind of twitch. They kind of go, whip, whip. And they make like a little sound effect like that. They go like, whip, whip. Like, oh, Sandy. Steve, they don't do that. <laughs> you were thinking, Sandy. But yeah, no, again, no one is who the fuck they are in this episode. Yeah. Sandy does a lot of shit that's not in keeping with his character. You're right, though. Like, he would normally, normally Sandy's, a you know, he's in, he's in competition for the MVP every single episode. As a blue-eyed person, I know <laughs> that when you pair a deep blue shirt with your blue eyes, <laughs> it's hot as fuck. <laughs> so he would have gotten that, would have gotten MVP for that early episode color combination. Blue shirt alone. alone. <laughs> and the general kind of advocating for Kirsten, but then it crossed over the line. Yeah. To yeah. speaking for Kirsten. Yeah. Advocating for her, absolutely. Right. Fighting for her, absolutely. But do not put words in her mouth, especially with a man as reactive and reactionary as Caleb Nickel. Uh-huh. Right. If okay, you know what? think my my mvp and we've decided the mvp is synonymous with hero right that's yeah. that's like our person it's yeah. whatever you want it to be. yeah it's whatever you want just it to like be. ryan in the first episode <laughs> everyone's actions are so weirdly out of character and i mean fuck it i'm not doing this to be like cheeky but if I'm going to base this on people who take agency 
and take responsibility for their actions, Gabrielle might be my fucking MVP. Would that be totally out of line? Because if there's a character in this yes. episode that knows what the fuck they want and acts on it. Yeah. You can't act on it when the recipient oh, of the act yes. is statutory. If You're right. She grabs a child's dick. She grabs a child's dick. Yeah. Even if yeah. the child was of legal consenting age, yeah. we go over this all the time. Yeah. An 18-year-old's brain yeah. is not formed. No, it's no. not. Okay. Okay. If she didn't grab a child's dick. But she, she spent like three-fourths of the episode grabbing a child dick. Child <laughs> dick. <laughs> Shit! Okay, fuck! I'm really struggling here. Oh, Evan. I'm I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I the MVP. I'm gonna have to just start eliminating people. It can't be Caleb, even though he's dreamy. It can't be Caleb because he's the he's the antagonist of this episode. He absolutely is. He's the primary source of conflict between Sandy and Kirsten. Okay. I think I've struck upon my MVP. Okay. I think it's Kirsten. Okay. Because Kirsten does what she does all episode long to protect her relationship with the people that are most important to her. She wants to build a meaningful relationship with her dad. She wants to heal the divide between Sandy and her dad. She also... She appreciates some of what Sandy does, but she absolutely tells him when he's out of line. That's also really good. She advocates for herself. She agrees and admits that she would like, she would, this is the, okay, she's 100% my MVP and this is exactly why. I've just struck upon it. Sandy wants to go back. Sandy wants to go back to some time that you can't go back to. He wants mm -hmm. to go back to Berkeley. He wants to go back to the little house and that doesn't exist anymore. And Kirsten recognizes that. She knows that their future is forward together, forging some kind of relationship with the family that they have, making a new family with the people that come along and not looking back to some idealized past that probably didn't even exist. She has a much clearer member memory of that house. She remembers the termites. She remembers the discomfort, all that stuff. The plumbing. Yeah, the, right. She's got a much cl clearer representation of the reality of their of that life and she wants to go forward and keep improving things and she wants to be respected and she wants to be appreciated and she wants to be um a source of pride for again the family that she has remaining that's why kirsten is my mvp all right episode villain you do yours first again all right I'm going... Say it, say it, say it, say episode villain again. Episode villain. I'm going directly from my notes. The show really wants us to center Caleb as the villain, and he is a complete trash fire of toxic masculinity. Do not get me wrong. But Gabrielle, ma'am, there is a name for what you did, and it is statutory. Yeah. Actually... The villain is the show's writers. Oh! For making us go remotely in the direction 
of thinking that any of this is hot and perpetuating that whole trope of boys getting attention from older women should be flattered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Spitting hot fire. Spitting hot fire. And none of it's not true. Yeah. Nothing. 100% truth bombs. Oh, my God. Just everywhere. I don't know how the house is still up. Uh, truth bombs. Goddamn everywhere. So I'm sorry that I said she was my MVP. I take that back. Um, regret everything about that section. Um, leaving it in because I'm honest. Because I'm an honest person. I'm an honest editor. And I I fess up to my faults. <laughs> None of us are perfect, right? Uh, yeah. Also, I am very often right. Like, like I said before, I can go, I can scroll back to the timestamp. I said you're right most of the time. You'll have that in perpetuity. You can, you can save a clip of me saying you're right most of the time. I capitulate to that. It should probably just be added to the theme song at the beginning. <laughs> California. You're right all the time. Sarah's right. Okay, my villain. This is this episode is a really for as buck wild as it fucking is. It shows a lot of interesting. It shows a lot of interesting layers for all of these characters. None of them are perfect. None of them are saints. None of them. You know, they're all flawed. Will in exciting, these layers ever come back, or is this Brigadoon? <laughs> TBD. <laughs> but I do think I have to agree with you. Yes. Uh, in hindsight, now uh, the writers of this fucking episode need to really take a long look in the mirror and reconsider some of their preconceived notions about uh, consent, uh, sexuality. Um, power dynamics perhaps read the hollywood reporter <laughs> um there's there's probably some uh sylvia federici that they could they could get a lot out of um maybe some angela davis but um to conclude uh, i'm not going to go as meta as you did and say the writers um i'm going to blame it on the character that admittedly they, they wrote yeah but yeah gabrielle is my uh, is my villain yeah yeah, what she did is wrong and reprehensible. Um, not not cool. This show does not. This show does not stand that. As they said in two thousand three, not cool. Not 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 cool, kids. <laughs> da, na, na, na. I don't know. <laughs> don't do drugs. Stay stay in school. <laughs> do you have more questions? No. Nah. Wow, we're only two. We're only two hours and seven minutes in. Jesus Christ! They all probably won't be this long. Just this fucking episode. You could write a dissertation on this fucking episode, dudes. And I mean dudes in the most gender-neutral way. Everyone is a dude. <laughs> the royal dude. The royal dude. California, Evan. <laughs> California, Sarah. You just listened to Orange. You glad we watched the OC. Recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios. Hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept and questions by Sarah. Recorded by Evan. Edited by Evan. Uploaded by Sarah. 
please give us as many stars as the platform you're listening to this on will allow you to give us. Copyright 2022.